gravel, adventure, all-road, whatever you want to call them, these bikes are really, really popular right now. And one brand that knows how popular they are is small British bike company, Viello. Back in 2018, they launched their first new model, the V Plus One. And in 2021, they followed up with a second generation version. On this launch, I sat down with Ian Hughes, the founder of the company, to find out about this new model, what they changed at the old bike, and talk more widely around a topic of gravel, adventure riding, and some hot topics like one by and find out why the bikes look the way they do, with some splendid paint jobs and paired back graphics. So it's a good episode, really interesting. Grab a cup of tea and enjoy. So Ian, thanks for joining me today. Hope you're well. Pleasure, thank you. Yes, all good. So we're here to talk about your new second generation V plus one gravel bike. But before we get into detail on that, we're gonna talk about your first one launched back in 2018 and talk more generally about how the gravel scene has evolved from your point of view as a bike brand and, and what was the process behind that bike you launched back in 2018? Yeah, I think um, it was kind of an idea that we put together. We've been building brands, I've been doing, you know, building brands and marketing sales distribution for many, many years. And it was thought, it's about time we did something for ourselves. And it's like, okay, where do we start? What's the what's the starting point? Um, what's the first model to bring into into our brand? Um, mountain bike was pretty busy. Um, there's lots of other areas that were kind of, do we want to do that? E-bikes were quite young then. We knew that was going to be growing, but did we want to get involved with all of that tech? That tech was moving on very, very quickly. We wanted to be kind of a sporty brand. And I think the, most of it came from who are our customers? Who, who are the customers that we want to provide a really, really good product for? And what riding conditions have they got? What, what are they doing? And you've only got to look locally around the kind of roads that we've got, the tarmac surfaces, uh, etc. And you go out for a ride on your road bike, you just get beaten up to pieces. You know, then it was kind of 25 mil, 28 mil tires and the roads were harsh and it was just after a while it was becoming unpleasant so i thought okay um what can we do to provide a a, a bike that's going to be suitable for those condition those conditions and and maybe a little bit wider so we thought of okay the first thing that springs to mind gravel bike gravel bike was quite young then quite new and i didn't necessarily want to say okay um, we present our first bike as a gravel bike because it's hip and it's new. I kind of wanted to place it more towards road plus all road, 700 C wheels, probably about 38 mil tires, semi-slick. You could ride with your road bike friends around the road to Northumberland, broken tarmac, not just Northumberland, but any real road conditions that you could still ride with your road bike friends. But then again, if you wanted to take it further off-road on some paths and gravel tracks, it, it would do that first of all. So we wanted to place it more as a all-road, road plus style of bike. Again, wet weather conditions, I wanted to fit mud guards or fenders. Um, so those are kind of the, the thought process of what we wanted to do. And then that's how we evolved and brought the first generation V plus one about. And then it was kind of lots and lots of little detail points of how it would look 
colour-wise, branding-wise, what that language was going to be, what those that conversation was going to be. Um, so that's when I kind of hooked up with some friends, and this is the idea. Um, how, do, how does it look in your head? Uh, we wanted it clean. We didn't want loads and loads of decals all over the frame, single colours, maybe two colours maximum. Um, not loads and loads of stickers all over the frame to make it look too busy or too loud. Um, and yeah, that, that's kind of where the whole thing started back in when we launched it in 2017. But the process was, was much, much earlier than that. Yeah. Um, it's fair to say back then, like 2016, 2017, gravel, uh, most people probably didn't understand what it meant, especially here in the UK. But it's probably fair to say that now people are better understanding what gravel means and it many different interpretations. So probably. With a new bike, probably an easier conversation to have with people about what the bike's for, and they understand the benefits of wide tyres and one by which we we'll get into later. To imagine it's an easier uh, conversation these uh, these days. It it is. I mean, we we do actually use the word gravel bike when we're discussing V plus one now mm. because again that market has, has has broadened, has widened up so much. You've got everything from bike touring where you know people are loading up their bikes with bags and packs and riding long distance and sleeping and camping overnight and trips around the world etc which is which is great um, then you've kind of got the commuting style gravel bike and then you've got the faster high-end performance kind of gravel style bike so that's where we wanted to position the, the second generation V plus one in that high-end kind of race sector I think the gravel the term is sort of laden with hype as well and, and I know the whole US racing scene where it sort of originated if you believe it's sort of a common story but you're a small British brand and the way gravel has been embraced here in the UK is very different like you're talking about more about all road mm -hmm. which has you know, a crossover with gravel but you know, you're talking more about all weather riding all conditions road potholes bit of gravel so it's much wider almost different style of riding isn't it? you know gravel kind of bunched together with different no, it is. And, uh, again, I think even the, the choice of wheel-tire combination um, contributed towards it. Uh, probably a couple of years ago, people were saying, OK, I want 700C wheels, but it's got to have 650B as well, because I'm going to buy two sets of wheels for it. And what they found was they ran 700C wheel-tire combination, and that's all they used, unless they were going specifically for big bike packing, heavier load, maybe more aggressive style gravel nearly single track mountain bike road that they needed to use 650b um, so again i think most of the the trend um, and most of the application on a gravel bike is still around 700c wheel with at the moment you know kind of 45 50 mil tire i would say is is more than sufficient um, but if you're doing some fairly aggressive single track mountain bike trails then probably you want to go down to uh, 650B with as wide a tyre as you, as you possibly can do. Would you say it mostly settled down around 700 by 40, 45, generally speaking, for your customers? I, I think so. Um, you know, there's some brands that wanting to go real the drop bar mountain bike okay, yeah. style, yeah. which is great. You know, there's that like another sector within another sector, quite niche. Some people think I've got to have those 2.1 tyres. Do they really use it? Um, I think the tyre technology now for 45mm up to even 50mm is sufficient. There's sufficient tread pattern, grip technology that you don't need to go so crazy, crazy wide. Um, again, that's why we've kind of 
set our benchmark for the second generation V plus one around 45, maybe 50 mil tire is maximum. And then going on to the kind of one by story, um, we can really, really tune that frame quite specifically that we don't have to go to drop chain stays. The whole thing is a lot more symmetrical, a lot more performance all involved. So that all kind of comes together quite nicely and really positioning the, the second generation V plus one where, where we want to make it. You know, it's not it's not a compromise. It's like, that's that's what this bike is all about. I remember when it, it first launched, it was a bike with no compromises. And one of those is the choice to go down a one by route with no uh, concession to two by. And I mean, how was that as a small brand launching a one by only bike then? And how has that sort of journey been for you trying to convince people maybe or just uh, educate people around the benefits mm-hmm. of one by they don't need two by on a gravel bike? Yeah, I mean, again, I think when we first started, um, group set options for one by were reasonably limited. Yeah. Um, you had, what did you have then? Kind of 11, 10, 42. Um, there wasn't really the Shimano GRX range that was, was around at that time, which was more gravel specific. So it was quite limited. Uh, of what could be done. So there's your SRAM rival one by back then. That it? was it. Force, Force one rival. Yeah. That was that was basically it. No Shimano, no Campag. No, no. So it was it was reasonably brave what you could do. Um, you know, kind of with that. Okay, a couple of customers came to us and said, "Well, the the rotor thirteen speed. Is, is there a chance of actually doing that?" Yes. Um, so we. we we actually ran that for a couple of customers okay. uh, that were quite specific. Um, so yes, it was quite a uh, an interesting story of trying to convince customers that we've done this one buy for a specific reason. And I think uh, over the last couple of years, as group set manufacturers have come on, they've offered again that 12 speed, 13 speed, more gravel specific group sets, then that's made the whole one by conversation quite a bit more acceptable. And then with the second generation frame, we've kind of just pushed those limits in terms of design and engineering a little bit further to make it really, really specific. There's so much little detail um, that you'll obviously see when you're riding the bike and kind of going through it of of what we've actually done to to make it work. Must be pretty frustrating waiting for uh, the component brands to kind of get their act together and develop a proper one bike group set back in the the early days of the V plus one. You need a concept with sound, but you didn't have the group set. One by twelve, one by thirteen. Yeah, now they, we do, but it must. I, th- I think there's a fine line between being brave and being foolish, <laughs> uh, and being too conceptual. Okay, yeah. And it was kind of having industry understanding of what was going on, what the group set manufacturers were kind of doing. We obviously had to keep it very, very close to our chest um, because it's all under NDA and it's all and, until it's officially launched. We had to keep it, you know, un- under our skin. Secret. Keep it, keep it secret. Um, but it, it kind of gave us some confidence that, okay, this stuff's coming and we want to be brave. We want to be one of the first ones in there. Obviously, a lot of the big corporate brands, they need to have a big churn. That's that that's their business model. That's great. And I think somebody like ourselves, we can be reasonably brave uh, without being too conceptual, without being too daft, that we can actually make it work. And then it's just convincing customers that, here's what it's all about and I think there's a place in in any industry for a bit of an industry shaker um, to shake up the industry a little bit and say well you've seen what these guys are doing and it's a it's a combination of knowledge of what's going on 
having the right people around you as well to say yes we can do this um, and, and just making that, that balance and then having the final decision and say you know what we're going to go for it so you almost feel validated in your choice go one by because made by brands and now go one by and there's lots of one by groups there so you feel like you made the right choice back then and mm-hmm. you can stand by your decisions back then and yeah, I, I think I think we still stand by it. Obviously, since we launched um, the V plus one, in terms of supply line and group sets that are coming down the line and components, some of those lead times have stretched a bit further back. So it's a little bit frustrating that we've not been able to match up exactly all the components with what the the frame and the bike is all designed for. But we know that's going to that's going to come. We've just got to be patient with it and that's the business that's the industry at the moment and that's the same for everybody so we've just got to be patient with that it's frustrating that it is <laughs> uh, but that's another story okay. well i don't want to talk too much about one by i know it's a big topic your bikes are one of the few out there that only accept one by you asked, you asked me earlier what other bike frames out there or gravel frames are one by only and i i struggle to think of any because many are sitting on the fence perhaps with being two by and one by but i think most people in that sort of gravel space are definitely on board one by the benefits so um that's not the only talking point of v plus one we talk about big tire clearance and then there's i mean a, a clean look and a design of the frame i mean clean probably the word best describes it. i mean what's that all about what's the story behind the way the bike looked not just from the colors but the whole general shape of it and yeah i think um we we, we just wanted to make uh from an engineering perspective it's it's that what makes sense you know, it's yeah. performance first of all so it's the tube shapes that provide the performance um, stiffness where you need it to be again just following that down tube junction into the bottom bracket purely symmetrical that makes perfect sense so that's a really really clean line um, we can follow that through the chain stays uh, as well so we don't have to go to a drop chain stay so all of a sudden that starts making the bike look a whole lot cleaner so you haven't got an odd drop chain stay on the drive side or in some cases on the drive side and the non-drive side which is kind of really really odd for me but that has to be done for a wide tire and two by so by doing just completely one by you can actually do that and we had enough space in the chain stays to run brake hose and uh, cable routing as well um, each side so the tolerances were pretty pretty tight but it all added up and it's just those tiny tiny little details that make the difference of how the how the frame flows and how it looks cleanly the seat post clamp as well that's kind of tucked away nicely inside there's not a great big lump underneath the the top tube where the the seat post clamp goes in Um, head tube as well just having that nice inch and a half inch and an eighth headset that flow nice and clean the way the fork junction runs from the head tube as well they're all just small little details but it, it kind of all adds up to the whole thing and it's not until you physically look at the bike you can see tiny little swept cutout where the the chain runs against the chain stay there's enough space for a smaller and a large chain ring to accommodate um, and it's it's that's one part then actually getting the chain line absolutely correct with our chain ring of matching that up you know that that's that's a task in itself okay. of making sure that's absolutely perfect to accommodate both shimano and shram campag with a new ekar that works perfectly well also so the group set manufacturers were quite conscious of like if you're doing your own chain ring dude you've got to make sure that the chain line is perfect for the 
biggest sprocket in the cassette and the smallest as well that it's not going to chuck the chain off at any stage if you're if you're pedaling backwards so we, we took that under note as well um and all of the computer drawings the simulations were, were perfect but it's not until you actually start building that bike and then putting the chain on it doing all the adjustments and then you know what it's spot on thank goodness for that you know <laughs> that, that, that that's a big big relief so investing in making your own chain ring specifically for for that was uh yeah that's quite a leap of faith you wouldn't think something like that on a bike would be such a big area for development to get a chain ring right and but it sounds like it is mm-hmm. what you, and it sounds like sweating the details on the bike was a kind of key focus for you like you talk about the C-clamp and everything very clean and minimal the handlebar cable routing is all very considered and yes. everything thought through very carefully yes. isn't it yeah, I think you know. Even even looking at the naked frame, frame, it is lots and lots of detail. We'll always look at it again, look at the junctions, and you know, is, could could that be cleaner? Could that be tidier? And it took months between having the conversation between our engineer, who who kind of drew the whole bike up, and then convincing the engineers at the factory, who's producing it, that this is how we want it. Okay. And you know, the guys, the engineers at the factory, being quite safety concerned, naturally. And they're saying, no, we, we need, you know, another, we need a, a wider junction here. We need more thickness here. Um, and it's just kind of taking away the, the detail of the frame. And so, you know, we explain to them, please understand, we've done this before and, and it works. Um, a lot of that was lost in translation because normally we quite go out to Taiwan and or, or where, where the frame vendors are. And, and have those one-to-one discussions with them. It might take one or two days, but you'd have those discussions and they, they finally get it. But trying to do it over you know, a Zoom call, a digital call because of COVID, um, it took months to actually do. So there were, there were, there were long, long, painful for us conversations <laughs> of please, this is how we want it. We don't want to compromise. Um, but also listening to their perspective, the, the, the engineer's perspective at the factory as well, just understanding them um that we're not just jumping on their head and saying you've got to do it this way yeah. uh, it's please understand we're confident they got confidence we've produced the bikes we've had them tested and reviewed um and that gives them confidence back as well so it, it's kind of a you know two-way thing really kind of all around but it does take a lot of time and and that's because you're not willing to compromise it sounds like you could take an easier option in many kind of aspects of frame design or manufacturing but you're pushing for it to be the way you want it to be, you're striving for that perfection, perhaps. Yes. And that must take a lot more time, money, and and stress as well, I guess. It it does. You know, sometimes you finish the call and you think, oh my goodness, are we ever ever going to get there? <laughs> um, and then you know, we brought somebody else in who who lives in Taiwan, the, the guy we've known that helps us, and he's now involved with those conversations, and so he's helped you know kind of translate that that smooth things out uh, a little bit better. But it it took some time to develop from the drawing to the moulds of the frame to the first production to testing them, riding them, seeing them and uh, yeah uh, and that's just the naked frame then we can kind of go on to the whole colour, the look and, and, and how we present yeah. it as well. I mean that's another big part of the bike is there's very little branding, there's a logo on the top tube, there's the logo on the head tube but nothing on the down tube which is goes against the way the bike industry has done it mm-hmm. for, for donkey years, isn't it? Yeah. Big logo and down tube, make it as big as possible in some examples. Yeah. But you go on very understated. What's, what's the reason behind that? Yeah, again, I, th- I think it's been quite brave because visually, the first thing any cyclist does is look on the down tube and yeah. you can see the brand name on yeah. there. Well, 
you don't see it on ours. It's like, well, what's that brand? And hopefully, people will see, well, that's that's quite clean. Whose is that? So that's all of a sudden start showing a little bit more interest in it. Um, one of the challenges is how the bikes are displayed in the shop um, as well, how they're presented, because normally they're racked up so you can see what's on the down tube. The only branding we have is what's on the top tube, so you've got to be over it to, to see what that is. But we thought, no, I think the actual color, the optic, the styling that we're going to do might take a while for people to understand what Fiello is, but that's that's kind of our statement. That That's really where we wanted to go. Um, getting involved with colors, was was a great experience a really really good friend who i've known for years um antonio who's got the traveler and the bear here um he's he's just got such a lovely eye for color and detail of, and what we wanted to do together um it was just a a natural conversation between us of of how it should look and he threw some ideas down and some of his ideas first of all were like dude that's 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 a bit out there. you know that's that's really <laughs> really strong that was too much yeah and then you come back to it the next morning and you're like you know what that's that's really really quite cool and you spend a bit more time and you think that really really is cool so from the color renderings to having the color tube samples so that we could match up the color exactly yeah. it's like yeah let's go with it so you know back with the first art well the first v plus one was that kind of um very light blue with orange, which was which was quite different. That was a statement. Uh, then we had a bit more natural color with like a midnight blue color. Um, so that kind of started the ball off. And then obviously with road bike, we came in with that mustard yellow, which we were thinking about back in 2016, 2017, which was very, very advanced at the time. But now you see that color coming through even with other brands. Um, so, that's quite nice to have brands um, maybe imitating some of your colours and, and understated because there are quite a few brands now not I wouldn't say copying you but go down a similar route of having mm -hmm. less branding and, and a similar colour palette perhaps so yeah, yeah. people have been uh, keeping an eye on your brand and uh, direction and taking notes to be honest I, I, it's, I, I think it's something that's gone on for a long time I even remember back in you know, the corporate days when I was working for, for Scott we go around Eurobike and um, a lot of the product managers you know, say to us, right, what cool brands have you seen? What, what, what's new that's out there? What, who, who's doing what that we should be taking a look at? So I think the whole industry are looking at one another anyway and saying, oh, I really quite like that or I don't like that. And so far, I think the reception we've had from the trade is, well, that's pretty nice. Okay. You know, that, that's, 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 that's pretty cool without blowing our own trumpet too much. Um, and then going on to the, the second generation V plus one, we wanted to be kind of really, really quite brave with, with the colors, with the palette, with the statement. And then again, Antonio came up with a mood board of options. So there were probably about seven or eight different colors in amongst there. Um, we kind of pulled out four that we thought would work together. Um, then we had those transferred onto tube samples, both with gloss clear coat finish and with a satin finish and we thought that the satin finish is going to really bring out the depth of the color you're not going to get highlights bouncing around off the off the gloss clear coat so that's kind of why we went for the, the the satin colors in in the colors that we've got and i remember going around showing some some dealers and customers first of all with the tube samples i said right what's your favorite color you know one two three and four and everything everybody came back with a slightly different first second third and fourth option so, okay this is interesting 
you know, even different customers in the same town, in the same area, the same city, they all come back with something very, very slightly different. What was their first favorite color and what was their least favorite? The overall opinion was, dude, you're being brave. You know, what, what, what the heck are you doing here? And we thought, okay, that's, that's an interesting reaction, um, but we're gonna go with it. We've made our minds up, that's what we're going with. And that's what we have done. So we've got that um, rock salt kind of pink color. We call it Himalayan rock salt after the Himalayan rock salt color. The bluestone color to work to complement with that. Uh, the frost green with a plum highlight, and then the plum color with a with a frost green highlight. Um, and first of all, when I kind of place the order, the split, the blue color I thought was probably the safest. Um, so I kind of went slightly heavier on the on the blue color, um, on the bluestone color, and then split the other colors equally. But what's happened now is customer's choice is the color first, and it's split equally over all four colors. Okay. So it's the color that they cho choose first of all, then the frame level, then the group set that they want to build with it. So that's fascinating. I think it, it shows you true that color is the most important thing when buying a bike, and one of the most mm -hmm. important things up there, top two or three. Yeah. It's such an emotive uh, thing in the colour. I think the bike is so refreshing to look at because of the colour and the lack of branding. I know lots of viewers and listeners are made bored of all the black bikes we've had for the last five, ten years, and some of the quite heavy-handed branding. Mm -hmm. and it's kind of crazy when you buy a bike got big logo on the down tube. Like buy a car, you don't have a big logo down. No. Side car, do you? So um, the branding, uh, the, the refreshing approach of branding, I definitely I appreciate personally, and it seems like lots of your. Know, customers are appreciating and, and choosing a bike based on the colour, which I always yeah. tell people choosing colour. Like once you decide on price and spec, like go for one of because colour is so important. And you need to be motivated to ride a bike every day and colour can help you have that sort of connection with your bike and same reason that you, interior design is so strong, you paint your house in a colour that reflects your personality. Mm -hmm. Same with bikes and cars, isn't it? So, colour yeah. is a strong, strong thing on a bike, isn't it? Yeah, I think one of the again, just one of the challenges even for us is uh, how that colour looks on the computer on your okay. uh, your, your own device yeah. compared to how it looks in real life on carbon tube uh, yeah. on, a, on a piece of carbon tube, yeah. and it's it, it's an, a mega mega challenge because the the colour balance the the um, colour temperature is that the okay, correct right, yeah, is yeah. that the correct termination yeah. um, the colour temperature on a PC screen compared yeah. to your mobile device is, is different yeah. and the tones can look very very different compared to the real life situation so we try and say you know come and see it for yourself because they are they're so much better actually in the flesh um, and they change even in the light you know we've been outside today and the lights change very very slightly and even the tones just change very very slightly yeah. and I know when we I took the bikes out to, to the US to some customers in in Texas and it changed from one area to another we showed the bikes in Houston and uh, okay especially the rock salt color yeah that's that's pretty standout and then we went up to Dallas uh, I'm not quite sure what it was the time of the day or the background but it, it was another color altogether. Wow, I've never okay. seen that in that in that in that yeah. color again. Some of the lights. And it was, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was it was just that. It was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. fascinating. So while we're talking about color, um, you've just launched a chapter three special edition bike, which mm. we should talk about because that's another fascinating design. Uh, just tell us briefly about that and how it came together. And is this a? Can we expect more collaborations like this, special one-offs, perhaps in the future? Was it? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I, I knew David Miller obviously back in the the days when I was working at Scott. He was riding oh, for right, Scott, didn't he, um, back the, the pro team when he was riding for Son of Duval. Oh, that's right. Yes. Uh, so that was kind of the, the the first connection I had with David, and that was kind of at, at arm's length. Okay. 
Um, then we both went off and did our own thing, and then we kind of hooked up when I understood he was doing his kind of Chapter 3 clothing, developing his own Chapter mm. 3 brand. Uh, and I met up with him in London. He was doing a commentary for Channel 4 for the um, commentating on the, on, the, on the pro tour, on the pro rides. Um, and just to catch up, and I, I took the R plus one down and uh, the first generation gravel bike and said, this is what we're doing. And he looked at them and was terribly polite about it. And I thought, are you, <laughs> are you just being polite? Or, you know, do you really, really like it? Yeah. And in the end, I found out, no, no, he'd done his, he'd done his, done his homework on us okay. already. And he really, really liked it. And he kind of alluded to, yeah, we're going to do our own bit more development with our clothing brand. We've got road. We've kind of got streets that they're doing the collaboration with the Brompton bike. But they then wanted to do something more around dirt, around gravel. And there was an opportunity of hooking up with a, a, a bike brand to do a gravel bike. And he said, I really, really like what you're doing there um, with your V plus one. We should do something together. And it that's kind of where the conversation went for probably about a year 18 months and then with his team there were some design ideas coming through uh, how the chapter 3 V plus 1 gravel bike should look and it was kind of yeah, it was okay but it wasn't really hitting the spot it wasn't like making either of us go really really wow and then um, he kind of came up with an idea of once they got the colour palette ready for their chapter three dirt clothing which is kind of three three basic colors um he said look i've got my my painter uh, edward who lives out here in girona edward used to paint my shoes and my helmets when i was riding in the pro tour we've got some ideas that we can just we're going to chuck around and, and see how it comes out and he showed us the first frame and we all of us just went that's it that's <laughs> That, that, that's it dude that, 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 that's totally it and what Edward did he took the frame back to basic back, okay. back to primer he chose the three colours from the dirt clothing apparel and just randomly sprayed the colours around the frame then he covered it complete with black and then what he did the, the really really clever part was very very carefully just sanded back the black to reveal the colours okay. of the palette of the chapter 3 clothing and that was totally unique. And then we thought, okay, where can we composition the logo subtly just around it, uh, clear coated over the top of it. And that was the whole idea. Um, and that was it. It's like, that is, that's really, really cool. So every single frame is sanded back very, very slightly differently to reveal a very slightly different color in a different place. The logo is gonna change very, very slightly. And we wanted to then team up with uh, Campag because obviously David used to ride for Campag, so the Eckhart group set fitted perfectly. Um, so we spec the bike with Shamal wheels, with Campag Eckhart group set, Abar stem combo, and again, detail physics saddle, um, WTB tires, again, just going back to WTB mountain bike tires, where mountain bike first started in Marin County, where Wilderness Trails bikes first started, so that's kind of got history as well, uh, and the connection. Um, and he wanted to do like just 50 pieces. Um, so we had the first 15 frames painted, done. Edward hand signs it underneath the bottom bracket. Um, and so far out of the 50 pieces, I think we've got around about 30, 35 of them sold wow. to customers globally. And I think for us, for a, a collaboration, um, there's a great mutual understanding. I've got massive mutual understanding for, for David, what he's, what he's done in the past 
where he's at at the moment, where his head's at the moment. Um, obviously, he, the third chapter is his chapter in his life, and this is him moving forward. And for him to kind of come to terms with what happened in his first chapter and second chapter, and a lot of honesty from him, and that's kind of where we connected a lot. You know, that whole honesty and integrity of, of what he is and what he's doing and, and moving forward. Um, and it and it just worked together. It's a, it's a great collaboration. Will we do anything in the future? Mm, he's, he's showing some 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 strong signs. I can't say what it is yet, but there's <laughs> there's some strong signs that we might do something again um, in the future, possibly around a road bike. Okay, yeah. interesting. Watch yeah. your space then. Yeah. Well, I was lucky enough to have a look at one of these bikes earlier in the flesh for the first time after in the press image. And they look amazing in the flesh up close. So if you get a chance to see one, you should, because they do. And like I say, yeah, two of them, they both look different. You can see different sanding, different areas. So, yeah, mm -hmm. very special. So, um, only 50, though. Pretty only 50 limited. pieces. Yeah, there's a few left, but once, I think they'll, once be, gone, gone. they'll be fairly gone. Yes, no, there genuinely won't be another run um, of them. That's it. It's 50 pieces done. Uh, so, yeah, um, that's that's a special special collaboration with them and I think for us it it kind of it just adds a bit of weight to the brand a bit of authority to the brand as well we're not making a total reliance on on chapter three to help push our brand forward it's 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 a um, it's a nice side uh, part of the business as well that, that I think gives us some authority of uh, of what we do okay we should probably talk more about the new bike since we touched on it with the chapter three so the original one launched in 2018 which I remember reviewing for Rose C many many years ago you can't believe it no. Long ago. and you no know, gravel or road what you want to call it it's very new then and it's you know, it's, it's blossomed now isn't it, into a big scene so you launched a second generation can you talk us through some of the changes on that bike over, and what you tried to improve on and what you kept from your bike or you know, yeah yeah no, for sure I mean we, we were kind of forced in a way um, because we were running post mount brakes so we were forced to kind of run flat mount brakes the flat mount had become standard yeah, yeah. I mean, there was some reluctance to post mount from some consumers. Why are you running post mount when the trend was going towards, towards flat mount? But it was kind of a bit more of a nod to, I think, mountain bike yeah. uh, kind of crossover. But the industry was moving more towards flat mount and there weren't post mount calipers yeah. available. So that kind of made us all right. If we're, if we're doing that, we need to probably redesign the, the whole frame as well. And we were moving to a, to a different vendor. So we thought, okay, um, the brief is don't break it, keep keep it the the best bits of what we've got, yeah. don't mess it up. Um, but as we know, you know things were moving on in terms of components, what the market was moving on towards as well. So we wanted to position the the bike as a fast race gravel. Okay. Um, placing it there, we didn't want loads of eyelets for. Uh, bags and carriers and and that kind of thing. We wanted it light and performance. It's not a bike packing uh, setup then. Not a full. Not it's not a um, bike packing light maybe. Bike packing light. Credit card. Yes. Bike packing. Yes. That's, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> My style of bike packing. Yeah. 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 yeah that, like that. Nice hotel. <laughs> um, then tire width. Okay. Uh, pushing the boundaries a bit more with one by how we could manage um, tire width of an acceptable width. But still keeping one by, and keeping those chain stays completely symmetrical, rather than going to a drop chain stay, and still provide sufficient for um, gear hosing and brake hose as well, gear cable outer, inner and outer 
on the drive side and on the non-drive side obviously for, for brake hose so we've got sufficient wall thickness um, of the stays and sufficient space to run hoses through comfortably so on the computer it all worked out swimmingly well um, it was getting quite nip and tuck around where the chain uh, set would work uh, the chain ring especially the larger sizes but we managed to make that swept very very slightly such a subtle curve you've got to really look at it in in detail uh, so that was working okay and then again still accommodating the chain line that we discussed earlier to make sure that that that, that ran perfectly uh, still kept over the fast axle a2t axle uh, front and rear um, just redesigned the dropout rear dropout a little bit cleaner still kept the the curve in the in the seat stay to provide that additional comfort and then just tiny little adjustments to the top tube width we just made that slightly wider a little bit more stiffer laterally um so yeah some really really subtle changes so, is the tire clearance the same or has it improved over the other model then um so it's improved okay. yes yeah we, we, we kind of we can run up to a 50 mil tire 50 both okay, 700c yeah. and yeah. and 650b um we were probably running, I would say, 42 mil was probably the maximum on the first generation okay, bike. Yeah, but quite I think it's, yeah, it's it, it's quite a, quite an improvement. But I, I think it's enough. I don't think you need to go yeah. too much wider than that. Um, not for the style of bike that we've that we've designed anyway. Yeah. Um, and the rest is is pretty subtle changes, very very small yeah. subtle changes. Do you find much demand or interest in 650? Was it all about 700? That bike you call it a fast. Kind of road gravel or road. Yeah, we and have seven hundred is a faster setup in my experience. We have some clients, some customers, some shops even that insist that it's got to be done with a six fifty B wheel. Um, I suppose Jersey is one of those uh, the shop in Jersey where they are. It's pretty mountainous, pretty hilly, pretty oh, okay. terrain that they they s uh, specify specific six fifty B. Yeah, they want they want bigger tires. You might find in certain areas of California around Marin County that they might want to run 650B specifically. Um, and there might be some areas in the Alps or you know really really hilly terrain in Europe where 650B is specific. But most of the time, I would say probably 80% of the time, 85% of the time, 700C with a 45 tire tubeless is um, is more than sufficient to cover the terrain okay. uh, that people want to ride. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm mean, actually looking at bike now. You can't see it, but I'm looking at bike in the background now. And um, as I said earlier, it's a very clean bike, and the cable routing is very clean as well. And you've got one-piece handlebar and stem on this bike, and you were cable routing. Can you talk more about the challenges of cable routing? And and there seems to be a push in the bike industry in general for internal cable routing. Mm -hmm. So if you you are doing uh, you're dabbling on the road bike thing, well, and you internal routing more. Is that something you're looking at doing more of? Or yeah, I, th I think. Um First of all, we've got to offer a range of bikes that's going to cover both mechanical shifting and electronic okay, wired yeah. shifting as well. So you're going to have to have some cable routing through through the frame, either internally or externally. So we first designed the V plus one um, and the R plus one Strato frame to carry cable, regular cable routing. Where we positioned the, the, the cable ports in the down tube, I think was quite... Um, quite, I don't know if critical is the right word it, quite precise so that we're not running huge big lengths of outer cable to the bar um, it, it's a nice curve it's not 
lumps of spaghetti all hanging out the front of the bike that you see on on so many occasions so for regular cable routing that was a big consideration and then as you said that a lot of brands are going to more fully integrated with the cables through the headset um so i suppose you've got two challenges do you want to run mechanical cable routing through the headset to have it fully integrated which some companies are doing and to get all of those cables inside you've got to be running probably inch and a half inch and a half um is there enough space to do that and it's for me it's it's quite a compromise and there's several solutions that are out there with windows with spaces with gaps and yeah. as you turn the the bar it opens up a, a, a space in the down tube and like oh okay I don't, I don't really like that so we decided if we were going to do a fully integrated one it would be for wireless just purely for wireless so all we've, all we've got to do then is just run the brake hoses internally and again we didn't want to run inch and a half inch and a half we wanted to just keep it really really tight and we found we could run both brake hoses rear brake hose and front brake hose through the frame or the rear brake hose through the frame a small cutout in the steerer tube for the rear brake hose to come through the steerer tube and up out the middle of the steerer tube and then again for the front brake hose again internally so as soon as it comes out the caliper it runs inside the fork leg and then can run completely internally up through the the steer tube so both brake hoses come out the steer tube uh, then with our bar stem combo and the fork expander we needed to run both brake hoses through the fork expander and still sufficient to hold uh, and be able to preload the bearings for the uh, for the headset and then the challenge was how can we get the brake hose through the stem and out through the bar without compromising and kinking the the hose and causing a compromise on the brake hose so we've managed it there's a really really nice curve for the brake hose that comes out of the the center of the steer tube through our fork expander and then kind of out through the bar stem combo and then obviously out to the bars and the next part was we wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to have any influence on the steering there's no point in having the cables running so tight that you've only got that degree of steering and you can hear the hoses going clunk 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 um I'm really, really happy to say you've got full bar movement okay. completely, no influence on the steering whatsoever. And yes, we run a, um, a small anti-rattle hose in the down tube. So that hose isn't going click, click, click inside the down tube. So it's completely silent and no influence at all on the, on the steering. And you've got inch and a half, inch and a eighth, really, really clean. And that was very, very satisfying to, to kind of come up with that design. It sounds like a lot of effort to go to. Are you getting a demand from customers for that internal cable routing and we've had some reasonably high profile issues with internal cable routing which you're probably obviously aware of how how do you kind of manage all the competing demands of like the safety you could be paramount you go for that clean look and then you try not to compromise the, the handling the bike in terms of steering and the design and, and the integrity of the steering tube. how do you balance all that and put out a product you're happy to put out and it's not going to be have any issues it's, no, it's it's a very good question i mean it's one we challenge ourselves with you know straight away um and also thinking of you know workshop service okay, yeah. I, I have to say safety is paramount most important yeah. 
you know, from a steering point of view, you don't want to be taking your hands off the bar or whatever, and then the bike the bike's doing this, and you're yeah. you're over, and you you're into a, a, an awkward situation. Um, likewise, you don't want to be in a position where you're compromising the the, the brake hose that's that's going to cause an issue. Um, so safety-wise, then that's, that was like number one issue. Um, so there's sufficient space to do that, and then both as as a as a rider. Um, and both as engineers as well, for, from our engineer's point of view, um, he's spending a lot, a lot of time taking all those considerations of like, is this safe? Is it going to work? Are we happy with it? Is it is it foolproof? Yep, it's 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 pretty foolproof. We're, we're quite happy with it. So all the testing we did prior to launching it, we were happy with, and even the field testing now, yep, this is this is okay. We're we're, we're happy with that. That's that's working okay. From a mechanic's point of view, then again, we try and provide as much information as help as we can to make it as simple as them, simple for them, to service and to to, to build the bikes as well. So it's not crazy complicated. Okay, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's okay to buy a bike and it's built for you, but if the mechanic got to build it and it's a, a tricky build. Mm-hmm. You get a big build, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you can you can service the headset. You can take okay. there's there's enough space for brake hose. We can actually push the brake hose in left and right, kind of into the bar stem combo. So you've probably got about between five to eight millimeters extra hose you can push in. Okay. So when you do come to service the bearings, uh, and you have to cut the hose right at the at the very very end um, to pull the whole thing out, you've got sufficient hose in there to join it back up to the brake lever without having to do a complete hose overhaul from, from front to back. Wow. So again, that was kind of a consideration from, from a service point of view. Well, it does sound like you thought about all the little details on the new bike. We tried to. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a, a labor of love by the sounds of it to get to where it's now. Yeah, yeah. And again, I, I suppose, again, just looking further down the line, especially with gravel, what's coming down the line with wireless group sets um, will launch something a bit special in April. Okay. I can't say too much what's okay. going on, but there's, there's something coming out that we're, we're tuned into okay. ready. Follow your Instagram and uh, social media channels closely then for a, yeah, yeah, yeah. a sneak yeah, peek of that. Yeah. Can you yeah. give us a um, more sort of crystal ball sort of um, feeling the way you think the gravel, road, your brand, cycling industry generally going in the future? the trends or I think most of the that that kind of polarization between road and gravel is becoming much much closer okay. uh, for sure that, 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 that kind of window of what's a road bike what's a gravel bike and where do, where do they where do they meet where do they cross over um, I think that's becoming much 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 closer um, for us, we want to make reasonably clear what is our road bike and, and what is our gravel bike. Um, in terms of what the industry is doing, then I, I think there's, there's, there's compromises at the moment. A lot of the big brands obviously need to provide product that they can they can churn that's going to be acceptable in, in a global market for everybody. So you know, we're seeing gravel bikes that I've got a one by group set on it but the frame is still two by so they're keeping safe with that okay. road at the moment is predominantly two by a couple of brands have added a one by group set 
to a two by road frame and they're just testing the market with it. But at the minute I've not seen anybody that's done a totally dedicated one by gravel frame set and certainly not a totally dedicated one by road group set. I think the industry, someone's gonna come up with, I don't know who, uh, probably a, a one by specific gravel frame similar to what we've what we've got. For me it makes sense. It makes it make it makes perfect sense. But it depends what the designers, who the, who the chief guys in the, in the big brands are going to say, yeah, we need to go down this route, or what the feedback loop is between development engineers, development guys in the, in in, um, in those companies of how brave they want to be and, and what they see the market doing. It'd be crazy if we don't see more one by only gravel bikes in the in the future, really, given the I mean the uptake of one by generally I, I think so i mean the, honestly that the frame performance that it adds by just making that frame set totally one by you know we talked about bottom bracket stiffness that increases the bb stiffness by 32 percent you can run those chain stays symmetrical rather than having to go to drop chain stays and you can be so much more creative around what you do by having just that one by specific frame set um I'd love to see somebody else coming up with taking what we've done to, to the next level or, or, or doing something fairly, fairly similar. At the moment, it, it's quite a compromise. And I can understand to a degree the reason why. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, I think the industry loves a bit of an industry shaker yeah. um, without being too kind of blase about it. I'm quite comfortable where we are and what we're doing, um, that it is being fairly brave without being daft. And you think a lot of big brands trying to keep as many customers, potential customers, as happy as possible, whereas you're trying to design something you want to ride and you're not trying to cater for everybody, you're trying to cater for people who are like-minded, people mm -hmm. who get one by and, and we have design features, so you're not trying to create a product for everyone. That's well, that, that's, a, that's exactly it, David. I mean, you, you know, you've got the big brands that have got a massive big portfolio, yeah. first of all. You know, they're, they're doing all their target customers yeah. from kids' bikes to city bikes to road bikes to gravel bikes to e-bikes etc and then they kind of break that down in all different sectors to price points to group sets and that's that's their total offering um and then that's all got to be acceptable on a global market yeah so that's a massive big task and a big ask to for, for, for somebody to do um turn that on it said a small independent brand can be a bit more specific so who are, our, who are our customers? These are the customers that we want to attract. These are the customers we want to build bikes for. That's it, that's, that's our bag. We're happy with that. We're not trying to be take on the big boys and try and be everything for everybody. We want to be a bit more specific about what we do and, and how we go about it. And I'm, I'm really comfortable with that. And then it's just getting the, the message out to customers and consumers and explaining what it is and, um, the most enjoyable part, I think, is seeing the face on somebody who's, who rides our bike for the first time and they just come back and say, it's not only the most comfortable road bike I've ever ridden, but I've just set my best Strava time in, in an hour's ride. I'm in. And that, that, that kind of means so much. Yeah. You know, they've got that customer, have got that quiver of really, really high-end expensive road bikes and they come back to us and say, this is it. And we've even got customers now coming to us and saying, I've done all the maths, your gear charts explain to me specifically, and I get it, I totally get it, 
I know the cassette size I want. I know the chainring size I want. All the maths, all the numbers add up. I don't need a two by frame set. I don't need a two by bike. I want to buy your one by R plus one. Um, so that that's that's coming. That movement is coming more and more towards us. And there'll still be the naysayers. That's that's absolutely fine. We, we totally get that. There's still a place I think for classic road cycling still with rim bikes I, I just love some of the, the real beautiful classic road bikes that are out there um it's like classic cars isn't yeah. it you know you just look at them they're, they're beautiful you can't knock them yeah. but there's still a place for something a little bit more modern and slightly more new yeah well i love classic car too but i wouldn't use one as a daily i think that's no, what you have no. that sunday best maybe when it's, it. the weather's nice but you wouldn't use it every day and i think that's yeah. the same kind of parallel here isn't it I think the next brave move is taking something classic and making it modern. So resto mod. That would be interesting, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll wait for. <laughs> we'll wait for. It must be. Um, it must be immensely satisfying when you, you describe a customer who just came back from their ride and they're like, you know, absolutely like stoked on a new bike. It must be make all those sleepless nights and long phone calls to Taiwan work stress and aggro worth it when you get a happy customer saying, "Yeah, that bike's amazing." I think, yeah, we've done a job here. We've done a good job. It does without, you know, kind of blowing our own trumpet. It, it, it is it is that self-satisfaction. Yeah. Um, it, it is that relief because we just get so, so close to it, like any business. You know, you just get so, so close to it. And you think sometimes oh, there's delays or it takes longer than you thought and some of the conversations are more complicated. But um, you, you, you've got that outright belief that this is what you want to do and stay with it. Um, and just keep challenging yourself. Yep, let's let's do it. And then when you get that feedback from customers that have ridden it, it's like, okay, well, that's really really cool. And just recently going out to Seattle in Girona to Seattle Europe, um, seeing the look on customers' faces as they're walking past. You know, they've they've not heard of the brand or not seen of the brand, and they're just doing a double take, and then like, oh my goodness, and they're into a conversation. And we had a couple of girls that walked past. And they use some fairly expletives of like, oh my goodness, I've just fallen in love with this bleep, 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 bleep bike. Like, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's just showing the product, showing the bikes and showing what we can do, uh, what we're about is this next bit is the enjoyable bit. Coming out of lockdown, going out, showing dealers, showing customers, uh, events, that kind of thing. This is... Uh, this is the really enjoyable part of the journey, seeing okay. their faces and uh, yeah, just kind of getting that feedback. Brilliant. Before we uh, round things up then, the bike's available now. Where can people find out about it? You've got websites, I presume? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the website, vlo.cc, is probably the, the first place to, to yeah. take a look. There's the range of road bikes, range of gravel bikes uh, that are on there at specific specifications. Um, so the website is the first place to visit. Um, ringing our office is probably the next place to, to give us a call or, or drop us an email. Um, in terms of route to market, we supply a number of independent bicycle shops around the UK uh, and globally as well. Um, but likewise, if a customer wanted to buy direct from us, then we can take them down that journey and I'm very, very happy to offer that. And I think you know, if somebody looks at the website and sees the specs of the bikes, I think the most important thing to understand is that if a customer wanted change tires or have different specification on the bike for their needs okay. we can accommodate all of that yeah. it can be completely customized yeah totally customized i mean the basic stuff is bar width stem length crank length color groups etc but if a customer wanted a specific saddle or wanted specific tires on it or specific wheels of their own choice then 
yeah, you tell me what you want, we'll, we'll build that mic for you. There you go. So there we go, brand new VLO V plus one, and there should be a first ride, hopefully, on the channel very soon. Thanks for joining me, in. Pleasure, Pleasure. as always. Uh, thank you for watching and listening. <laughs>